Come on, think, think. Hey, hey, my baby! Hey, Stop hey, that crying! Hey, hey, and you're annoying. Oh, it's a miracle! Thank heavens! Woohoo! Did you see that? I did the deed. Open up. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't looking. Hey, I thought you guys could see everything. No, you're thinking of Santa Claus. Well, I'll be damned. I'm afraid so, yes. I am Homer Simpson. Silence, sinner! Prepare for an eternity of horrible pain! Oh, no! Quiet. You'll wake up John Wayne. I'm already up. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to season 12 of Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review episode BABF21. It is Treehouse of Horror 11. I am Dado. I am Guy and ooh, so spooky. Um, it's a strange kind of feeling uh, starting season 12. I mean, I know we've gone away through season 11 and all that, but uh, I don't know. It just um, <laughs> I feel like I'm ensconced in the, in the show now, even though it's only been one season and... Uh, you know the uh, the late great Mitch. Well, not late, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could be. We haven't heard from him for a while. True. <laughs> um, you know, had a good ten seasons under his belt, but uh, I don't know. I'm starting to feel kind of uh, kind of at home at Four Finger Discount. No, it's it's you've been a very very welcome addition to the show. That is for sure. All the patrons love you. They let you know every single day how loved you are, Mister Davis. And I'm sure the listeners out there all around the world are appreciative that they've. You've taken the time to fill Mitch's seat because no one wants to sit here and listen to Dando talk about the Simpsons for an hour. You are, you are keeping the show alive, my friend. I am trying to throw a little love back. But it is, it is actually good, though, because, and many people have commented and said this, that you're bringing a whole different perspective to the show. You know, because we, Mitch and I, we both grew up on the show. It's that nostalgic, you know, remember when we used to watch it in front of you know, the TV at 6 o'clock on Channel 10 and blah, 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 where you were, you know, you sort of were old enough to review the show and critique it, and you sort of experience the show in a whole different eye, you know what I mean? So you didn't grow up with The Simpsons, but you still were around when it was at its peak, and you were able to give more of a perspective from what people thought of the show as opposed to, oh, how great was The Simpsons growing up? Absolutely, yeah, sense. yeah. But there's also the fact that um, there are certain uh, certain seasons, and I think probably from 11 and 12 onwards, that you know I remember but not vividly. So, and, you know, I think it's a... Any any season from probably 10, 11, 12 onwards are going to be ones where it's like, oh, yeah, I did see that, as opposed to ones that are kind of hardwired into the brain. Yeah, yeah. And as we mentioned in our season review of um of season 11 that is uh, we put up last week, it's it's one of those seasons where, like, season 11 and onwards, you just said, like, that they're, they're not really remembered that fondly and you sort of remember bits and pieces, but I sort of... I didn't. I won't say that I ignore them for a long time, but I just try to. I try to watch The Simpsons as little as possible. The episodes that we haven't reviewed yet, so I can try and go in with fresh eyes. And I was so, so surprised by season eleven by how many great episodes—not great episodes, but how many really, really good episodes there were in there. And um, I, that's why I say when people say the show was only good for nine seasons, 
that's not true. Like, there was plenty of good stuff that came afterwards. But um, that's why I'm really excited for season 12 because season 11, it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth. If anything, it made me more excited for season 12. Well, yeah. And I mean, look, um, I'm going to take it episode by episode, you know, sort of um, just revisit each episode before we do the show as opposed to, um, you know, uh, watching a whole bunch of season 12 in, in, in one go. But I just had a, a look at the Wikipedia page and looked down the uh, the list of episodes in season 12. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, I remember so-and-so being on it. And, oh, I really like that. So, yeah, my anticipation levels are indeed rising. I'm really looking forward to reviewing episode Hungry, Hungry Homer when Homer goes on a... Um on a hunger strike because they're going to move the Springfield <laughs> isotopes. There's also an episode that Mitch and I have already reviewed as a bonus one, but you and I are going to do it as well, Trilogy of Error, which was sort of like a Pulp Fiction take, which was, um, a, it's a fantastic episode. Also, Home R is one of my favorite, one of my favorite episodes of all time. So yeah, there's plenty, <laughs> there's plenty coming up in season 12 that I cannot wait to finally go into. And there's a couple there I'm just looking through now that I reckon I've maybe watched them once in my whole life. Like, Tennis the Menace? I've, I can't even remember what happens in that. I remember the Simpsons get a tennis court, and that's it. So, season 12, bring it on. I 100% agree. Uh, and if I hit a few speed bumps along the way, or if we come up with a few dud episodes, eh, it's going to happen. So, yes. No, I am looking forward to this journey, and I'm looking forward to it uh, with my travelling companion, Mr. Dando. And it's, um, it's pretty good that we get to kick off with a Treehouse of Horror episode. So this I posted this in the Patreon group this afternoon. I think this was my favorite Treehouse of Horror since as an overall trilogy, like overall episode since season nine. I think this was every, every segment surprised me. I remember always enjoying the Dolphin one, but I enjoyed it even more this time. The middle one was the one that when I was a bit younger, I always seemed to want to skip. I never really seemed to enjoy the second one, but I thought it was really, really funny in this one. It had a really f- hilarious ending. Not, not, not Home of the Egg, but the, the George Cauldron scene I thought was fantastic. That was, that was a great twist. Yeah. And Ghost Dad was just classic Homer. I thought it was hilarious. I must admit, I mean, I thought they were all good, but I thought they sort of escalated in quality as it went along. I mean, I think everyone... I think everyone would probably agree that Night of the Dolphin is the best one out of out of these out of this trilogy here, out of this trio. Um, look, I liked Ghost of the Dad uh, just fine. I mean, it had a lot of good touches in it. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, Scary Tales Do Come True, or I, I, I probably butchered the title there, but I did enjoy that a whole lot. But yeah, Night of the Dolphin was a, a real treat. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in it. The Dolphin one in particular had a lot of movie references you know like jaws with lenny in the water and the birds with all the dolphins i particularly love the dolphins on the power lines <laughs> oh yeah i just actually i just re-watched the birds uh the other weekend for the first time and goodness knows how long so yeah it was okay. a, it was a real treat to uh yeah see them coming out of city hall or town hall or whatever and uh, a little hitchcock reference nice work simpsons <laughs> i uh, i feel like this trios of horror was and you're right i feel like it escalated to the point where, like, the, the more it went on, the more violent it became. Like that last one was brutal, but there was just seemed to be a lot more gore and violence in this one than previous trios of horrors. I mean, there is some blood and whatnot in previous ones, but for the last couple of years, it hasn't been this gory. Like even like Homer slitting his wrist, I was like, oh my! Like, oh yeah, maybe, that's maybe queasy. <laughs> that's very nasty. I mean, um, there's a that reminded me of something. There's a great um, saying. I think it might have been the horror writer Clive Barker who said he was talking about the movie The Thing. You know, the one with Kurt Russell. Oh, which who who couldn't love The Thing? Who does not love The Thing? I bought, but I bought I mean, it on four. I bought it on four K with the fog on the weekend. Oh, nice. Um, 
he pointed out that, you know, that's got some alien being invading your body and, uh, you know, turning you inside out. And, you know, it's all it's got all manner of gore and grotesque stuff in it. Mm. But there's one scene in it that makes people just generally wince. And it's when they're all doing the blood test and everyone's getting the tip of their thumb sliced by a scalpel. And that makes it, makes everyone not, go, ooh. It's not good. It's because you can sort of envision it happening to you and it's like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there was a moment in this episode in the uh, Ghost Dad segment where he mentions and the testicle thing. And I was going to ask, I was going to put my notes, what do you think happened to those testicles? And then I went, no, because I don't want to get into testicle stories because testicle stories always result in men just crossing their legs and feeling very uncomfortable. I actually also wrote that down. I said, what do you think the testicle thing was? <laughs> <laughs> Are you also curious about the testicle thing I've written here? Um, yeah, but I mean, not not too many of us have been, uh, shall we say, penetrated by a dolphin, a la Groundskeeper Willie, but I'm sure all of us have got a very nasty paper cut and a paper cut on the inside of your wrist? Oh, man, no. That and seeing the blood come the- out and everything, I was like, Ugh, Yeah, like it gives this. you the wig. Um, I do think... The first one was the least gory, but it still had plenty of plenty of like funny moments. But by far, as you mentioned, the uh, Day of the Dolphins. The Day of the Dolphins? Is that what it's called? Uh, it's called Night of the Dolphin, but it's actually... Night of the Dolphin. Based on Day of the Dolphin, right? Yeah, it's ripping off a... Well, not ripping off, but uh, inspired by a movie called Day of the Dolphin. And I'll tell you mm. a little bit about my experience with that a bit later on, if you like. Alrighty. Sounds good. Looking forward to that. Nice. See, you learned it, Mr. Davis. A tease for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a tease. Hey, my favourite. Let's get into our favourite moments. I'm going to start. Actually, I'm going to let you start because I don't want to spoil because I know exactly what your favourite moment's going to be or your favourite quote. <laughs> um, if, if, it's, if we're talking about favourite quotes, it's one that I've always loved. Are, are we thinking about Mia Quimby here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually used that's a screen cap of um, yeah, Mia Quimby saying, people, please, we're all frightened and horny. <laughs> when, I think when the coronavirus thing kicked off or when Donald Trump got president or something along those lines. <laughs> Anytime you sort of have, the, you know, the, you feel like the world is sort of going off its axis a bit, people, please, we're all frightened and horny. <laughs> <laughs> we're all frightened and horny. <laughs> uh, I love Quimby. Actually, that last segment actually had... Some pretty dirty jokes. It had some very dirty jokes in it. I mean, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm amazed that they actually yeah, got the words glory hole in there. I know, right? <laughs> it's was, it was sort of like unsettling hearing Homer say yeah. that. <laughs> I know. So, and yeah, for those uh, listeners unfamiliar with glory hole, hey, feel free to Google it. <laughs> Do it at work. <laughs> uh, the thing is, though, maybe because it's a Treehouse of Horror episode, they were able to sort of, because this probably would have had an, an M rating, maybe they can get away with a bit extra. They probably did have a little more latitude, but uh, it wasn't just in Night of the Dolphin, though. I mean, uh, in uh, the Scary Tales one, when Homer uh, breaks down the uh, breaks into the witch's house, mm-hmm. yep, and he's taking a big bite of them, he says, mmm, sugar walls." Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase "sugar walls." I'm not actually. God, innocent dando um, here. What is it? Okay. Now, I'm not sure if the late great prince actually coined this phrase or he was just, you know, repurposing it for one of his sexy songs. But um, Sugar Walls actually refers to, let's just say, the private parts of uh, one particular gender. Oh, my. Okay. Yes, indeed. So, <laughs> so the fact that they're throwing in Sugar Walls and Glory Hole into the one episode, I'm, I'm thinking that they either paid off the... Um, 
paid off the censor, or the censor was just like taking a break that that week, yeah, or no. was just feeling generous towards the Simpsons. And eh, let's let him get away with it. I, I feel like though it just makes this episode even better because it truly is a segment that little kids probably shouldn't be watching it, but just say if kids are watching it, there's plenty for them to understand and enjoy, but that kind of stuff would go straight over their heads. I mean, Sugar Wall went over my head and I'm 31. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's plenty for adults to enjoy and children in this Trails of Horror, as well, silly as it, it sounds. It, it's also, it's it's like baby's first horror story as well, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, not a gentle way to ease, you know, the little ones into the scariest stuff, but it's a... You know, it's it's a good way for them to dip their tiny toe into the uh, into the bloody water, so to speak. Well, I mentioned on the podcast before, and I think I even wrote this in our book, Homer's Odyssey and a Big and Simpsons Guide, available in all good bookstores. <laughs> I, I was hoping I'm, you would say that. <laughs> I was hoping you would spruik it. Good on you. I uh, I'm pretty sure I wrote that Trials of Horror were essentially my introduction to the horror genre. Even things like you know the the, the shinning. I, I I had no idea what the shining was. And when I got older, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's that it's that thing that from The Simpsons." Yeah, yeah. I because I, I, I grew up with The Simpsons, I saw The Simpsons first. I associated all these horror movies like the Freddy Krueger. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's you know." So he, he's dressed up like what what Grandskeeper Willie was dressed up like. It's like I had all these horror movies copied The Simpsons, but no, it was the other way around. But when you grow up in The Simpsons, that's what it feels like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, doing a little Treehouse of Horror research uh, before we uh, started recording tonight. I mean, I did a. A Wikipedia on Treehouse of Horror and sort of looked at through all the various episodes that have been done over the years and you know some are directly inspired by or influenced by you know books or movies or whatever and others just sort of you know pick and cherry pick little pieces here and there but uh, no some are yeah just literal ripoffs in in oh homage in a good way our, in a good as way. our French yeah. friends say yes yeah so uh, yeah you're right it's it's a it's a good introduction. So my favorite moment, I had a couple. I love that when Homer's stuck in hell, he, he's just his go-to is just, I am Homer Simpson. <laughs> all that ghostly, the ghostly shit didn't work for him at all, though. I mean, it, it got him noogies from Nelson, and then it gets him noogies from Satan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was pretty funny, though, when Marge says, you have to talk about that. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> but I, um, I also appreciated... What did he say before that? was like, dead wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I also appreciated uh, Wiggum. Bottom nose bruises, blowhole burns, flipper prints. This is the work of rowdy teenagers. Cancel the prom. <laughs> Wiggum is surprisingly getting... I'm starting to really enjoy him a lot more lately. I feel like he's entering my favourite moment segment more and more. I've always liked Wiggum for some reason. Yeah, um, I'm really starting to appreciate him. I never, I, I don't reckon I even did for the first couple of years of this podcast. But man, he is he's a great character. Oh yeah, look, he's um, he's incompetent and trigger happy, but sort of generally well meaning and nice. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, well, there's, it's like he should never be in the position that he's in, but you sort of like you see him as this lovable oath, you know, yeah. where. He has the right intentions. <laughs> you know when that the um you've used this for making jokes about coronavirus. Not joking about it, but when you're posting about it on Facebook, the 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 flu coming from China, and when oh. it's chasing after Wiggum and he's firing bullets <laughs> at it and throws his gun. <laughs> That's the thing. This man should not have a gun. <laughs> my uh, my favorite Wiggum quote, I think of all time though, is when Marge and Ruth are on the on the lamb on the run and they turn the car headlights off and Wiggum goes, oh, 
it's a ghost car. <laughs> I use that quote so often. God, I love that scene. That is so great. But anyway, enough about Wiggum. I um, also really did enjoy Mo as a troll, just coming on too strong. I did like that as well. <laughs> I was hoping he'd get a chance to speak, and then he did. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, this is very good. And um, yeah, so that was my favorite Mo. So let's get into some trivia. Next question. You there, eating the paste. You kick off this week, Mr. Davis. Absolutely. Um, in Ghost Dad, uh, Homer has uh, a rattlesnake attached to his arm. <laughs> you know, he, he finally discovers it. Um, how long would it take a rattlesnake to let go of one's arm? Uh, an hour? An hour or so. <laughs> an hour or so, yeah. Bought, bought in an hour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because snakes, they're just nature's quitters. <laughs> how good is it? How... Actually, that was one of my questions, I think. Yes. Oh. What does Homer describe <laughs> snakes as? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, man. All right, I'll go to my next question. How much are they trying to sell Maggie for in the second segment? Um, It's uh, two chickens or best offer. Or oh, best offer. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and that was one of my questions. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> okay, yeah. then. We must be on the same wavelength. Uh, you, ask, you find another one for yourself then. Okay, no worries. Uh, next question. In uh, the candy house with the sugar walls, um, when George Cauldron shows up, he, um, how long is it going to be before Suzanne is ready? Just another 20 minutes? Just another 20 minutes, that is Just correct. Just another 20 minutes, yes. My question, <laughs> second question comes from the exact same scene. What time was the concert that George was taking her to? It was at 8 p.m. It was at 8 p.m. Man, we're just stealing <laughs> each other's questions these days. Oh, right. we're... We've been doing this too long, man. We're in each other's heads. What um, type of what type of burger does Homer order from Krusty Burger in the dolphin segment? Oh, uh, it's a donut burger with cheese. Correct. That that whole order. I'm I'm a big fan of you know junk fast food, as you well know. But two crusty shakes, a donut burger with cheese, and a party sized bucket of flan just sounds revolting. <laughs> It does, but the thing is, if you're going to go hard, go hard, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they, they. I've seen more than a few recipes for, like, burgers made with donuts, made with donuts cut in half or something. I'm like, why? Why would you do it? Yeah, I know. That's oh, just... I, I, see, I, honestly, tell a secret. I think I may have even said this on the podcast. So it's not really a secret, but I'm not a huge donut man. Mitch loves his donuts. I know you love your donuts. I, like, I enjoy a donut, but I get to the end and sort of think, was it worth all those calories? Yeah, I'm just not a sweet tooth, I guess. No, I, I wholly understand where you're coming from. I think, with a, as with a lot of things, sometimes the idea of the donut is better than the actual donut itself. Yeah, and it's wor- it's so bad when you've sort of... It's worse when someone talks up a donut, and there's a local business which I won't name and shame, but everyone talks them up how great their fucking donuts are. So Nicola made <laughs> me go out and drive out and get their donuts. We got home, and I got about two bites into it and went, this is it? Really? Like, come on. <laughs> I think a lot of the time with donuts, especially with dessert places, it's all about the hype as well. That is true. That is true. I mean, I think I've told the tale about, you know, Krispy Kremes coming to Australia. And um, yeah. before they came to Victoria, the only place you could get them was like at Sydney Airport. And you started on people, the black market. Yeah, yeah. You'd see people flying back or getting on the, on the, the plane to Melbourne at Sydney Airport with, a, you know, a box of 24 or whatever. And, you know, I... I finally bit the bullet or the donut so to speak and it's like what really this is what everyone's getting all bunched up about it's uh yeah the, the crisp yeah. honestly crispy cream donuts i don't understand why people love them so much they're not that good 
No, I don't think they're that good either. I'm curious to hear about the uh, the donut that you think is overrated. Is this like... Um, I'll, I'll tell you and I'll censor it out, all right? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Is it is it a family man donut? It is a... No, it's not the one that you used to go to. It's the one that's... Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm no, I've not... Oh, I think I went to them when they had their place in Hopper's Crossing. Okay. I was like, yeah, this is perfectly fine, but I can't believe I went out of my way for this. I just feel like sometimes you go to the really expensive donut shops and I sort of think, I can just get a similar donut for like a quarter of the price from the bakeries on Marble Street. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, just and they're, and nice... they're bigger and better and tastier and creamier. <laughs> oh, true. I mean, you can get yourself a jam and a custard donut. Yeah, 100%. For less than you would, um, you know, one of these gourmet numbers. Now, I must admit, and if we're going to be naming names here, or maybe you can bleep this out because it's free advertising for a local donut purveyor, but Uncle Donut in July. No, no I'm not going to say that. Uncle Donut's great. Oh, Uncle Donut is great. and That's what we referred to at Pop Culture. You were Uncle Donut. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kids. I'm Uncle Donut. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of going back there on the on the semi regular and like, oh, I'll try this one. I'll try this one. I'll try this one. And you know, rarely do I get a bad one. But it's only recently that I sort of felt, oh yes, this is the one that I've been waiting for, and this is the one that's going to be my regular. <laughs> and the vanilla slice. I think it's the vanilla slice donut. It's just you know got lovely. Um, sort of vanilla custard in the middle and sort of a white chocolate glaze on the top. It's like, oh, so good. Competitive so, first, people. The vanilla sliced donut from Uncle Donuts. Make sure you get out and check it out. Absolutely. They'll, they'll deliver to your door. Good on you, Uncle Donut. My final question I've got here. Oh, yeah. Kang, Kang and Kodos agree to star in a commercial for what business? Oh, God damn it. Um, um, the village people were in this. Well, <laughs> The village people were in this. They sing uh, a song, In the What? Oh, In the Navy. Yes. Oh, it's Old okay. Navy. <laughs> oh, Old Navy, of course. Yes. Ah, now I remember. Do I have another question or did I just sort hey, of might blow have my chest? Have a look. Have a look through your list before we get into the new name segment for season 12. Well, I do have one. Okay, go would for it. Would you like to hear? Would you like, Throw it like at me. me to ask you? Okay. I fine. would love you to ask it to me. Go for okay. it. Sharks are assassins of the sea, but what are dolphins of the sea? Ah, uh, Shit. Um, clowns of the sea? They are indeed clowns. I was getting confused because Homer calls them tuna munchers. <laughs> <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... Okay, so it is a fresh season, Mr. Davis. Our good friend D.L. Gorman won it last year. And as I posted in the Patreon group today... That second and third also got a cash prize as well. So basically, I changed it from a, a gift card to just cash. So I just sent DL the cold, hard $100 cash. Second oh. prize, our friend Garode Harryhill. He got $50 cash. And in third was Andrew Parker getting the old 25 Now, we're also going to draw a winner here of the wildcard prize, which is also going to be $50 to everyone Holy. who had their name on the list. So I've got their name all in a randomizer here. I'm going to flick through, flick through. And the winner, let me just find it and click on it. And the winner is Henrik Winterland is the Winterland. winner of $50 cold hard Australian dollars. Oh, all aboard the Pineapple Express, Henrik. Um, there you go, people. A little clarification might be needed. Pineapples is, again, 
um, Australian slang for a $50 note. <laughs> and before we get into the Season 12 Championships, Mr. Davis, we must first run through our beloved $20 patrons who bring you this show each and every week. We've got Mr. Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Davey, Sam Bennett, and our resident Homer Simpson, Mr. Keith Nedham. Thank you so much, guys, for your ongoing support. Don't forget, if you are a $20 patron for three months or more, once you hit that three-month target, you will be sent an officially licensed Stonecutters ring by myself personally. Also going to be shout-outs to our new $5 plus patrons going out to Noah Jones and Haley Brunton. Thank you so much, guys. So don't forget, guys, if you want to support the show and get a bunch of uh, exclusive content in return, you just got to go to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. For as little as $2, you can get access into the Four Finger Discount Facebook group and join the Four Finger Discount family. Now, enough talk, Mr. Davis. What have we got kicking off for the Season 12 of the Guy Davis New Name Championships? Well, as always, um, a few honourable mentions before we get to gold, silver and bronze. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mark Boston Burgess, uh, an honourable mention for Look Who's Snorking. That's good. I like it. Look Who's Snorking. Very good. Yeah. And Alice... Here's the thing. So, I think like the winner has to be someone that gives a name for every segment, in my opinion. That's just me. I too was thinking this. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, so that was who was it? Sorry again, that was Mark Boston Burgess. Mark Look Boston Burgess, Mister Burger. All right, Mark Boston Burgess yeah, is on the yeah. board. Yes, Alice Kaylee Burton as well with Mister Good Deeds. You know, it's a play oh, on Mister Mr. Deeds. Yes, very good. Hmm. But let's get to the whole three, two, one of it all. Yeah, let's uh, do it. One point for Talia in Talia Enriquez. Talia Enriquez. Who, um, who did give uh, each segment a uh, a new title? Ooh, uh, I appreciate the, that. Yep, the pearly weight, mm-hmm, very a good. peasant a peasant surprise, and death fish. That's very good. I like Ple- it. I thought uh, uh, a peasant I, surprise. I'm uh, well done. Good, good, yeah. good wordplay. Nice work by Talia. Yeah, I think, uh, two I, honestly, I think that's even. I think a peasant surprise is even better than two uh, than better than scary tales can come true. Mm. Anyway. Well done, Talia. Good work. <laughs> uh, two points to a very familiar name in the new titles championship. Gear. Gilroy Harrahill. Yes, indeed. Gilroy Harrahill. Uh, he's got a few uh, titles. Now, I don't know if they're all related to each individual episode, but he's come up with a few. So um, we're, we're going to be a little different in our ranking system here, Dando. But, uh, you know. A little difference never hurt anybody. But gear, I mean, look look what he came up with here. Listen to, listen to what he came up with. Dorsal combat. Um, bring <laughs> your slaughter. Dorsal combat. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah, it's good. Uh, do you want to keep doing the Mortal Kombat? If, if only that final battle had the Mortal Kombat theme underneath it, it would have made it perfect. That would have been awesome. Do you want to do the Mortal Kombat theme a little bit longer? Because I don't think anyone would object. Do you know I'm actually buying the Mortal Kombat soundtrack score on LP for Record Store Day this year? I can't fucking wait. You are going crazy with the vinyl lately, and justifiably so. I mean, but uh, absolutely get the Mortal Kombat, uh, Mortal Kombat up. It'd just be loaded with '90s banging techno tracks. Is there any movie that gets you more pumped from the get-go than Mortal Kombat? <laughs> oh no, that's. 
that's an incredible beginning. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> like, I would go to the cinema, hear the credits, hear that music, and go, well, I've got my money's worth. I can go now. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You can walk out after five minutes, like, best movie of the year. Five stars. <laughs> uh, uh, but but what, what other names has Garod got for us? Dorsal combat he had. Bring your, bring your slaughter to the water. Um, mm-hmm. It's... Um, I don't know if there's a song called Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. I've forgotten the name of the band. It might be Dokken. Okay, okay but, I'll, look that up whilst, I'll, look, I'll look that up whilst you continue. Okay. But there was also Nursery Crimes that uh, that Gear came up with. Not bad. Oh, that song was by Iron Maiden, by the way. Oh, I'm okay then. Cool. <laughs> First of all, I just love that there was a song called Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. And then I like <laughs> that Gear sort of took a riff on that. Good on him. Yes, yeah, very um, good. Yeah, but I think the three points uh, this time around it goes to Alistair Danik. Alistair Danik, indeed, he's off to a flying start. With he only had two, but I thought they were really good. I thought I, mm-hmm. I really liked the father, the sin, and the broccoli ghost. The broccoli ghost, yeah, it's good. That's pretty nice. But also, Snorky Talky. Snorky Talky. It's like I mean, it's, it's, it's very simple. close to. Look who's snorking, but like it's still good. Like it's great, yeah. Very yeah. simple. Well done. Very good. Very good choices. I'm very, very surprised that DL Gorman didn't make the board. They'll be human. <laughs> well, let's just let let's let DL revel in their you know in their hundred bucks and you know sort of change it all into singles and roll around naked on the bed on it. I don't know what DL gets up to, but I um, know <laughs> oh, that's what I'd do if I had a hundred bucks. Um, well, well done guys for getting yourselves on the board. So here, the current leaderboard stands with Talia Enriquez on one point, Garode Harrahill on two, and Alistair Danik. He came fourth last season. He's back with a vengeance on three points atop the leaderboard. Well done, sir. Nice work, everybody. And keep those new titles coming. We're off to a very good start with the uh, the ones we got for this uh, this episode. Looking forward to seeing what comes up next That's right. Episode. And like I said, the winner, $100, gift, $100 cash, $50 cash for second, 25 for third. And everyone else who gets on the leaderboard that doesn't come first, second or third goes into the wild draw. And as you heard today, that Henrik Winterland, Henrik Winterland is getting the $50 cash as the wildcard price. So well done, sir. Uh, if you want to be contributing to that segment, you're just going to be a four-finger discount patron, patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Let's get into our review of Treehouse of Horror 11. The original air date was November 1st, 2000. Apparently, this was the first one to air in November. They usually aired either before or on Halloween. I okay. read that. Um, and there is no chalkboard gag or catch gag or anything to this one. The Basically, the catch gag is the, the Munsters parody, which I fucking loved. I thought the... The rendition of the Simpsons theme, but in the Munster style, was great. I thought I, it was just so so fun. I was really impressed by that as well. The way, it, yeah, the, it folded the uh, yeah the two very noticeable, very recognisable tunes into one another, creating a whole new thing. I thought, yeah, I was really really impressed by that. I mean, less so imp- less impressed by the end of the segment, which was just the the Munster Simpsons being murdered by a a, a, a pack of Springfield residents. But it sort of set the tone for the episode because you see Bart with a bear trapper on his head and his blood everywhere and stuff. Like it's just sort of saying from the get go, this one's going to be bloody. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's a shame with the Munsters theme there because many Simpsons fans in the '90s had the the Simpsons CDs. There was a couple of them. I can't remember the names of them off the top of my head, but they had all the you know, the songs from the show and the different variations on the theme song. But they sort of went up to like season nine or ten or whatever. Uh. So these songs that from the last couple of seasons. I'm missing out. I feel like the Monsters parody, if I had to come like two or three seasons earlier, it'd be much more remembered and loved. 
because everyone would have had more access to it in the 90s. But yeah. I reckon so. It's one of those renditions that I think people need to really go out and just go out and find it on YouTube or something. It's um, it's really, really great. Or you can just do, find do you, it on Disney+. Is it, Plus, is it Danny Elfman, do you think, or is it Alf Clawson? I believe it would be Alf Clawson, correct, wouldn't it? He does all the Simpsons music for like the first 28 seasons or something, didn't he? I guess, yeah. I mean, I know that Danny did the theme and all that, but I mean, I'm wondering if they sort of brought him back and said, hey, mash up um, the Munsters and the uh, and the Simpsons for us. And Danny said, yeah, i got nothing better today. Just seeing if it has anything to do. Uh, the opening's a parody of the Munsters. It just, yeah, it just says on the wiki that the, the opening was a parody of the Munsters. It doesn't say who did it, but I'm sure it would be Alf. You'd think okay. so anyway. Uh, so the orig- the opening segment is ghost dad Starts off with Homer reading the newspaper. And his horoscope tells him that he's going to die. And he also may get a compliment from a sexy co-worker. <gasps> Lenny? <laughs> you know what is good about that? It's just a throwaway line, but then they actually have it pay off later on. I know, I did enjoy that. Yeah, I also enjoyed very, very that, um, yeah, that, that Homer uh, was you know, enjoying his morning funnies in the, in, the, um, in the newspaper. Didn't get his Beetle Bailey, unfortunately, because what, <laughs> I think one of the characters is too sexy and Marge is having issues with that. Um, yeah, he, he's not at a window shop, and he yeah, and he doesn't want to read Kathy because, quite frankly, she has too much baggage. I I agree with that. Having read some Kathy's, like, yeah, you just <laughs> you just sound like a downer lady. Sorry, <laughs> she does not sound like lovely Louise. That's for sure. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, by the way, the one other thing that I did like, I mean, I always like when um, in a Treehouse of Horror when the uh, the creatives sort of mess with their names a bit. But I think the mm-hmm. best one in this episode, certainly in the opening credits, was um, bloodselman at AOL.com. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're talking 2000, I think this is the stage when it was not a novelty to have an email address, but it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was relatively new. Oh, so, if you, if you, could, you would you would send emails just to be able to say, oh, I sent an email today. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? Don't mind me. I'm just going to go check my email inbox. I'll be back what? in 10 minutes. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll appreciate this GIF and JPEG that I received from my friend in Switzerland. That's right, via email. Uh, what was the original like email chain gag? Was it the monkey sniffing its ass and falling off the tree? That sounds about right, unless, you know, you had really gross friends who would, you know, find the most grotesque or, you know, sexually provocative pictures and send them. Yes. <laughs> Marge <laughs> checks her horoscope to confirm and it says your husband will die, so she's all concerned. Homer, though, not phased at all. Then he slits his wrist on the newspaper. And from here on in, I was like, I'm not feeling comfortable anymore. <laughs> yes. I've actually, I've actually written in capital letters, no, with, yeah. let's see, one, two, three, six zeros. That, that, that's a lot of O's. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it's a whole lot of squeaming because of, the, of, that, of that paper cut. It's six times the trauma, that's for sure. Homer, so he gets <laughs> in the car and the lightning strikes the tree, misses him. The actual planet Hollywood falls on his car, doesn't quite die. Then he gets the old pickaxe in the head. And my original note there was going to be, oh, well, that's just unrealistic. But then I went, wait a minute. Is Trias of Horror. It's okay. Yes. This flies. <laughs> Miss me! Stupid horse, go. <laughs> Stupid horse, go. Stupid <laughs> Flora Pope. He's then at work, and Lenny finally gives him that compliment from his uh, sexy co worker. And we got the rattlesnake gag. 
And Homer finally gets home and he's bragging to the family about, you know, that stupid horoscope. It was wrong. Nothing happened today except for this, that, and the other, including the testicle thing. I don't think I really want to divulge into the testicle thing because testicle stories just make me feel queasy. (laughs) They do. Look, nothing we could say could uh, be more uh, disturbing than what you could come up with in your own head. So let's just not talk about it. Marge says, you cannot eat your dessert, Homer, until you eat your broccoli. And of course, you shouldn't do that because broccoli is the deadliest or one of the deadliest plants on earth. It, it's trying to tell you with its disgusting taste. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was a really good twist. I mean, you would never... I remember watching this for the first time. I legitimately remember watching it and just thinking, oh, well, that was clever because there's no way any of you I could have seen that coming. <laughs> I mean, you knew something was going to happen to Homer, but checking oh, yeah, broccoli but... was not what I was thinking. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I knew that... Well. I mean, I figured that he was choking on the broccoli or something like that, but no, just, you know, broccoli's just a poison. The guys are taking Homer out. Man, it's much easier when they're stiff like this. Oh, and sad. Very sad. <laughs> and very sad. I like that paramedic. I thought that was so well done. Because you can, I mean, I'm putting words in people's mouths, but you can imagine that they probably would have conversations like that when people aren't around. As, as you know, as much of a downer as that is. I think that's the only way you can kind of get through doing a job like that is kind of... Oh. Not making fun of the situation, but lots, kind of making light to, to an extent, if you know what I mean. I think people, particularly in the medical profession, uh, would have to have the most black and gallows sense of humour. Yeah, but you're right. Not in a malicious way and not sort of uh, yeah, making light of the situation. Because, yeah, I mean, if you were just sad about every terrible situation you encountered, you know, most paramedics wouldn't last a week. I think it's a necessary release valve. Homer's soul arrives in heaven, but St. <laughs> Peter is not a fan of, of Homer at all because he can't find any good deeds. I did like Homer waving his ass towards Flanders. Beat you up here, Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that being on the, uh, on the commercial in the lead up. So he sends him down. He's got 24 hours to do one good deed. Homer here. I'm sorry, I didn't get the number of hours or good deeds. <laughs> Sends him down and he eats the broccoli once again. I That got a good chuckle out of me. I thought that was great. <laughs> I, I love that a ghost came out of the ghost. Yes. Yeah. That, that was a very neat visual touch. It just goes back up. I ate the broccoli again. <laughs> yeah, 23 tw- hours. <laughs> Homer wakes up Marge in his very eerie voice. I never see you again. You were wrong. Dead wrong. Do you have to talk like that? No, not really. Marge, you gotta help me. I have to do one good deed to get into heaven. Well, I've got a whole list of chores. Clean the garage, paint the house, grab the... T- whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just trying to get in. I'm not running for Jesus. So then he, he sees Agnes on the street about to cross the road. He sees mm. this as his chance for a good day, but the, the Boy Scouts are out to try and beat him. So he races down, picks her up. The only thing I have with this segment, the only issue I have is sometimes people can see him and sometimes they can't. I think they are very playing very fast and loose with the physics yeah, um, of ghosts. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but like Agnes doesn't know what's happening to her. And the, when Homer saves the baby, the mother can't see him, but yet Nelson can grab him and give him... Like rub him on the head and stuff. Anyway, yes, like it yes. does. It's, it's a trace of horror. Who gives a shit? That's um, true. That's right. One other thing as well. I mean, sorry to backtrack just a little bit, but I mean, that's fine. If yeah. if you were a ghost, do you think you would speak in ghost voice, or do you think you'd speak in normal voice? It depends who I'm talking to. For sure. <laughs> I mean, if I, if if you I want, want to scare, if I want to scare little kids, and I'm going to do the, the ghost voice. voice. <laughs> but you know, if you wanted to sort of, you know, have a final sort of. Uh, 
you know, resolution meeting with the, with your loved ones or whatever, then you'd probably talk normally. You would just you would just go hang out with them. <laughs> yes, you'd be like, but I the- love you very much, and I'll miss you. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's like in, in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which we're going to be reviewing for patrons as well. When they die, spoiler alert, they're just talking normally. But then when they in the seance, they're like, we are here from the dead. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why do you just talk to them? But off the top of your head, without naming names, if you had the ability to become a ghost right now, like you've passed away, come back as a ghost and mm-hmm. spook the hell out of one person, can you think of somebody you would want to do that to right now off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, sure, certainly, but I'm not going to say yeah. their name. No, I'm not going to say their names either, but there's definitely people out there that you just wish, man, I wish I could be a ghost and come back and spook them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, do some real poltergeist shit in their house just for a couple of days and then... <laughs> like the the paranormal activity. The, do you know what, the, what moment scared me the most in that fucking movie? Was the, a saucepan falling off the fucking shelf. <laughs> just something like that. Just, just bang. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, not do anything too, you know, disturbing or malicious or anything. Just fuck with them. Just fuck yeah, with them not, for a couple hurt, of days. Not hurting them. Just changing the channel on their TV all the time without them wanting to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just be pissy, piss-weak ghosts. Yeah, so Homer's gone down and he kills Agnes. He drops her, splat. Pretty sure his shoe's going to be the next Hitler, so it doesn't matter. And then he's at the Quickie Mart. And I thought this is a really nice touch of him drinking the squishy and then going through his body and people slipping mm. on it. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> slips on it, yeah. Gotta find a good deed. <laughs> Bingo! Your dad is dead. Mine's just in jail. Nelson! Huh? Who said that? I am the ghost. Gotcha! Bart! Help! Nelson's taking bullying to new heights, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Nelson is very, very cool. It's weird that Nelson's one of those characters where... When, it's, when it suits the story, he's Bart's best friend. In the next mm. episode, he's beating him up, you know. But, but maybe uh, that's, so, the, that's often the case with uh, with young bullies, though. Oh, if you have the chance to be their friend, you'll be their friend. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the most proficient bullies and the most sort of, you know, maybe the you know, the A-plus, uh, <laughs> the platinum bullies, yeah, can throw a little psychological uh, disinformation campaign into their into their bullying game as well. You know, it's like... Oh, oh, well, we're, you know, he's grown out of it and now we're friends. Oh, no, Wedgie! You know? <laughs> uh, so he, Homer ends up getting beaten up by Nelson, but just leaves him for dead, even though he's already dead. And then Homer accidentally saves a baby, goes back up to heaven, but unfortunately, St. Peter wasn't watching, sends him back down to hell, and he's <laughs> left to watch for all eternity and burn for all eternity with John Wayne. Yes, uh, a couple of things about the uh, the rescue of the baby. First of all, a nice little homage to the Untouchables with that whole sort of baby carriage going down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch, and I love that the the carriage once it rolled into the road exploded. What's in it? <laughs> That's the thing of the Simpsons. That things always catch on fire, especially if they've been hit by <laughs> if they've been hit by a car. They're going to catch on fire. Yes, <laughs> but yes, uh, um, home, but Homer goes to hell, gets uh, gets noogies from Satan, and of course, yes, as you said, John Wayne comes out because well. Eh. <laughs> Am I missing yeah. something there? Because that thing's just that that gag's just I've never understood it. Why why put John Wayne there? What's is there a reference there? Was he a bad uh, person? What's the I think John Wayne is what's in the current terminology a bit problematic. <laughs> I mean, uh, by all accounts, he was a good guy in a lot of ways, but he was also very much a man of his time, which was you know the mid twentieth century. And I think one thing 
that, a ca- that it keeps sort of recurring every maybe 18 months or so. Someone will discover he, this interview that he did with Playboy magazine back in like 1972 in which he is quite blatantly racist. <laughs> I mean, he's sort of saying stuff about, well, yeah, the white man should be running things for these reasons. And, you know, it's <laughs> reading it in 2020, you kind of go, wow, this guy's actually saying this out loud on the record. But, you know, in 72 or whenever he did the thing, I mean, you know, a man of his age and his kind of upbringing would probably say things like that and think it was no big deal. Uh, so, yeah, every 18 months or so, someone goes, hey, did you know that John Wayne was a real racist? At which point everyone else in the world goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, It's kind of that time that uh, Sean Connery did an interview talking about slapping women. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I think he said something about, oh, Look, there are there are far worse things you can do to a woman than give her a, a little slap if she's out of line. I mean, there's you know if you're someone who continually psychologically tortures a woman, that sucks. Just give her a little slap, and if she's out of line, it's like, eh, don't know, that's much better, Sean. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> maybe just but, maybe talk like a human being. I don't know. <laughs> but moving on from the negativity of Sean Connery and John Wayne, <laughs> we got something that's far <laughs> more enjoyable, and that is the second act of this Treehouse of Horror. It is scary tales can come true kicks off with Bart watching the violent fireplace, which was <laughs> a good gag there. Simple, but I enjoyed it. Lisa's reading the Grimm's Tales, which is obviously planting the seed for what's to come in the episode, and Homer has unfortunately lost his job as an oaf, but <laughs> the oafs are always the first to go. So he Indeed. thinks maybe he can try his job at being a, a, a dunce. The thing is here, did you notice that when Homer in this episode, he has the, hello, my name is Mr. Burns for voice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my favourite of Homer's voices. I um. don't know. <laughs> one of one of the most classic moments of the of the second season. It's so great. <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, about the sort of the uh, the strata of uh, dopes, medieval dopes. I mean, Oaf is clearly lower than Dunce. I wonder where Village Idiot comes in. I mean, I think, I think Village I, Idiot. I think Village Idiot is higher than Oaf. I think like Village Idiot. Village Idiot is something you aspire to. I think it sounds like it's got a bit of prestige. I mean, it feels like an actual title, hmm. like like sheriff or mayor or something. Anyone could be an Oaf, but you know, anyone, yeah. But we will. We, the people of such and such village, are proud to you know announce that this that that our uh, our little shire's idiot is this person. What me? <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, I, feel like it, I feel like it goes dunce, oaf, village idiot, village drunk. Oh, yeah. Because who wouldn't want to be the village drunk? Well, I mean, Homer could probably do double duty on that. It's <laughs> probably good. Um, so he, this actually was, I know, it's, this is no pun intended. It's, it's a very grim segment. I mean, Homer throwing his children into the deep dark wood. You'll see your, your other brother and sister. And they're dead. I'm like, oh yeah, pretty dark, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did like. Uh, was it, was it Lisa who said a bit like, face it, they're not great parents. They're not good parents. So they've been <laughs> thrown to the deep dark wood because they can't afford to have the kids anymore. And Bart and Lisa come across the. Uh, well, this is where Lisa discovers that everything in this forest is based on this book. So uh, you know the, the troll under the bridge. Poor Mo, he's so lonely. <laughs> he's desperately lonely. <laughs> <laughs> he- Lisa. Basically, this book for her, The Grimm's Tales, is like a, a handbook, a survival handbook, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. So, it's uh, yeah, good that she brought it with her. So, uh, yeah, that they can, uh, you know, learn that Mo is a troll or, you know, oh, my, yeah, it looks nice that there's a, a house with three bowls of porridge on it, but this house is actually owned by bears. Yes, not good at all. So, they get to the three little bears' house 
it was a good gag, but well, this doesn't take a genius pouring the, the uh, cold <laughs> into the warm or whatever. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Actually, it's a it's a it's a pretty savvy move by Bart. I one hundred percent. I said he's genius, really. Yeah, he's got he's got double the porridge at just the right temperature. Well played, Bart. Oh, this seems somehow familiar. Let's see. Hmm. Oh, whoa, too hot. <clears throat> oh, too cold. <clears throat> well, this doesn't take a genius. Mm. <gasps> We're in a three bears house. <laughs> that was close. I wonder where Goldilocks was. Oh, oh, that bed was just right. Go! Oh, no! I love that the bears were singing Teddy Bear Picnic as they came in. Oh, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> But a, pre- uh, a very gnarly end for Goldilocks, though. Ooh, not, not good at all. So, yeah, this is where the real gore starts to happen. I know you don't see it in this episode, but like, oh, do you, oh, you see the witch get thrown to the oven, but like, you just see the blood come out of the door because Bart and Lisa, they've, they've run out, closed the door so the bears can't get out, but unfortunately Goldilocks, when she tries to escape, mm. it's a very, very brutal ending for her. You can even hear the bones crunching and everything. It's ugh. Not in good. all honesty, though, I think we can say that Goldilocks had it coming. I don't want to be all victim blaming here, but you know, she raids this person's house, eats their food, sleeps in their bed. Eh, they're hey, bears. I think. I think they're justified. Motherfucker, you come home and someone's sleeping in your bed and have eaten your cereal. Come on. Oh, you're fuck them up. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see you, the way you would react to that situation. Like, do you have like a baseball bat somewhere that you would just go fucking full fledged Davis? I one hundred, I one hundred percent have a baseball bat bat next to the bed. I can, I, I just, I knew it. I just felt like you'd be someone that would have a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like whether you know whether or not I'd be uh, sort of capable of using it on anyone who broke into my house, I'm not sure. Uh, they go, give me the bat. Oh, please don't hurt me. And you hand it to them. <laughs> <laughs> Take the TV. <laughs> Boy, dumping your kids in the forest sure get your hands dusty. What? You threw our precious babies into the woods? We could have sold them. Go back and get them. Here's a better idea. I know how we can replace those children. Son! Daughter! I'm ever so sorry! La 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 Brave Sir Knight, I pray you. Climb up and rescue me. Ow! No! One of the best edits in this episode was um, Homer's you know, coming up with a child replacement plan. I think we know, all know what the, his child replacement plan is, and then it's just shut down immediately. <laughs> I know, it's very good, isn't it? Yeah, just you know what Mudge's answer was without having to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but oh, tough, tough break for Rapunzel. <laughs> oh, yeah, not good at all. Uh, the kids all arrive at the gingerbread house. The best candies are inside. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we probably shouldn't go in there, but you know, let's just go with our gut. Cut. There's a, another cut two gags. So it cuts to the kids all chained up. 
Bart's just loving life though because he doesn't care that he knows he's going to die anyway so he's just going to yeah. gorge himself on desserts and baste himself up. Oh God, basting himself. <laughs> Stop your chattering and swing! This house is filthy! So what do you care? It's not like you have friends. I have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. What? I do! Oh yeah? What's his name? Uh, George! Cauldron! George Cauldron? Maybe he can fix me up with Ed Ladle. <laughs> What a twist this was at the end, by the way. Like, I, I just I must never admit, saw I that did, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was really good. So the, the witch has had enough of Lisa. She tries to kill her. This is where Homer eats his way in, eats the sugar walls. And Ooh, yeah, the witch casts, she casts her spell on Homer for eating the, uh, the wall-bearing candy. I wonder what she turns him into. It was like a Mr. Sparkle mixed with dust. Dusters mixed with a chicken oh, yeah. body. It's all, it's all over the head. place. Yeah, yeah, the, the Mister Sparkle, uh, Mister Sparkle Fish. Sorry, the the, the Matsu Fish Works, whatever it is. Yeah, the the fish logo. <laughs> um, so she puts his head in the oven. Hmm, fish. <laughs> <laughs> Homer then somehow reverses it, throws her in, and she dies a very painful death. She could not be in any more pain. Just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hello, I'm George Cauldron. Is Suzanne ready yet? Almost. Just give her another 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but the concert's at 8. The family are all then eating at the table, and it's revealed here because I didn't actually pay attention, but Homer's chicken body didn't revert back to normal. So Homer is now laying eggs for the family. Eggs. So it's a nice mm. ending in the end. We yeah. come now well, to. Although it looks fi- very uncomfortable. Uh, his laying of that egg. I know, but you know, at least he doesn't have to go and be a dunce now. He can just yeah, good point. Make his own <laughs> food. We come now to the final and, in our opinion, the best segment of the episode. It is Night of the Dolphin. It kicks off at Marine World, and it's the Snorky Show. And Indeed. the host asks for volunteers. This is just like I mean, I know the dolphins are very evil in this, but the humans, man, we had it coming. We're, oh, one hundred percent. We're shit. <laughs> Oh, we're terrible. But, yeah, we're particularly just, when it comes we're to... We're a horrible species. Oh, yeah, particularly when it comes to sort of um, confining and uh, showing off our friends in the animal kingdom for our own entertainment. I mean, but, yeah, particularly with things like SeaWorld and that. Uh, there's, uh, you know, apparently a lot of docos about, um, you know, confining dolphins and whales and all that kind of stuff. And I'd, I can never bring myself to watch them because, uh, yeah, I think I would think I would just find it too sad. So clearly, I'm part of the problem and not part of the solution. But, uh, but I mean, I remember getting back to what we were talking about earlier. Back when I was about nine years old, uh, I remember there, there was uh, the movie "The Day of the Dolphin" on TV, and I didn't know anything about it. And I'm guessing that a lot of people don't know much about it either because it's kind of one of those movies that. Eh, you maybe heard the name, but you don't know a great deal about what it's all about. It's never, I don't think it's ever had a home release, has it? I don't think so. I mean, it not not too wide, not too widespread. But the gist of it is this marine biologist um, has been working with dolphins that are all incredibly intelligent, but his program gets uh, sort of bought out or taken over by the military that wants to train these dolphins uh, to like put mines on on boats and things like that. Basically, sort of turn them into into weapons. And the dolphins are all very intelligent, and yeah, you know, they've got a great bond with their trainer and all that. And in the end, the end, the tr- um, he's taught them to speak essentially, like the like the dolphins in this uh, in this episode. 
And I think one of them is called Far, like F-A. And at the end, the very end, is something like the dolphin, he's letting them go. You know, he's, there's been this huge chase and whatever. And finally he's like, okay, you're free now. You can go into the open ocean. And the dolphin goes, Far, Far loves Pa, or something along those lines. And honest to God, I was I just dissolved into a puddle of tears. Oh, yeah, stage. I can imagine. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Oh, literally, yeah. maybe, but, but, like, you know when you get that feeling of sort of like goosebumps? That's what I just oh, felt when you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not doing a very jo- good job of explaining. If you can find Day of the Dolphin and sort of get past the <laughs> ridiculous premise, there's a lot to enjoy in it. But yeah, I was just a mess. Um, but I, I remember my dad, who was a very, very smart, very loving individual. I, I sort of saw him out of the corner of my eye looking at me like, the fuck is wrong with this kid? <laughs> Be- that that's not a testament to you know any insensitivity in my dad's part. I think it's more just my overreaction to this particular situation. <laughs> it turns, I have no son. <laughs> <laughs> no son of mine's gonna cry at no damn dolphins. <laughs> it's a fucking dolphin. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine your dad uh, doing that too. It's amazing. Shout out to you, Bob. Good on your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to your mum. Happy birthday, Miss, Mrs. Davis. It, it was indeed Margaret's 90th birthday on the weekend. Uh, we we practiced as much social distancing as we could. We may have, you know, not kept her distance entirely, but uh, Margaret had a very nice birthday. Uh, myself and my four sisters all uh, came over at various stages and hit her up with gifts and all manner of business, and that was it. Was very, very nice. And Mum was in fine form. She's for ninety. She is incredibly spry. I hope I'm doing that well at ninety. I'll probably just be a complete bloody mess if not gone. But um, <laughs> but no. So, so thank you, Dan. It's very nice of you. Yeah. But uh, happy birthday, Margaret. Hear, I'm glad to hear she had a good day. She did indeed. All right, back so to Night of the Dolphin. Yeah, back to the Snorky Show. Uh, so yeah, just typical <laughs> shit humans all jumping into the into the pool and just. Making life really bad for Snorky, and I, I'm in. I am Lisa here. I'm just like, oh, poor Snorky, you know. Then they get the announcement. It's lobster time. If you want to come, pack them before you eat them. Come now, so everyone bails. This gives Lisa the opportunity to let Snorky out and help him escape. Mm-hmm. I thought here. So there's there's three things that happen in this scene. So there's oh, two two main things. So there's everyone jumping in the pool, and then there's the people that it's escaping. Kill it. So like they legitimately try to kill Snorky. Purely oh, yeah. for wanting freedom. So, the humans deserve everything they have coming to them from the dolphins in this episode. <laughs> Indeed. Although... The, 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 dolph- do we, do the dolphins we... are not the villains. Having said that, do we do we know if um, the security guards and the people at SeaWorld or whatever it is have got some inside dope on Snorky? I mean, are they? do you think they're privy to his uh, world-conquering plans or something like that and are keeping him confined for our own good? But uh, but didn't Snorky only want to attack the humans because they held him captive? Eh, maybe, but you know, hey, it's our planet now. I mean, they made him dance like a common seal. <laughs> <laughs> Tricks like a common seal. My other thing here too was, and this only makes sense once you've watched the full episode. But I like to think, you know, when they do the free Willy parody of jumping over Lisa, um, similar to the killer whale, that when he slaps her in the face of his tail, that he meant it. <laughs> uh- <laughs> I'm, it's something I've always been very curious about, what dolphins feel like. I've never touched one. I'm wondering very, if they would feel... Well, the ones that I felt just felt slimy. They're very soft. Imagine a very soft, soft, cushiony texture, but covered in water. So it's very... feels slimy. 
Okay, yeah. I was wondering if they felt kind of sleek or, um, yeah, and if they felt kind of warm or cold or whatever. Because, I mean, I think dolphins are mammals, aren't they? Or am I thinking of, of whales? Oh, okay. Whales, cool. wh- wh- whales are mammals. I'm pretty sure dolphins are mammals too. Let's double check <laughs> you were, that you before were, we You send. were very confident with, with that. With that, of course they are. Yeah, you were very confident. Dolphins are descendants of land-dwelling mammals. Yes. Oh, okay. Then. Cool. Well, there we go. But I've, I've, I'd like to know what... Uh, I'd like to lay my hand on a dolphin just once. Yeah, you see, we should, see I, thought, I, thought your story, I, thought, I thought your story about dolphins was going to revolve around you having a mishap with a dolphin at SeaWorld when you were a kid. <laughs> Oh no, 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 no! Um, I've never actually been to like a, a Sea World kind of place. I don't think. I mean, if you you've want to hear, a, you've never been to a theme park. I've been to theme parks, absolutely, oh, but okay. I don't think I've. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever been to like a a, a, a one a marine park. Okay, you should go to Sea I mean, World sometime. Yeah, I do have another sort of uh, story of of animals. If you'd like to hear a quick one, why not? Okay, <laughs> it'll be a quick one. But uh, that same year that I saw Day of the Dolphin, I was around nine years old. Um, my family, my my mum and dad and I, and occasionally my sisters would pop up. But uh, we went on a bit of a tour through Europe, and one of the places we ended up was Moscow. And uh, we went to there were two Moscow circuses. One was a really big deal, and one was a, like an old time one that had been going since the twenties or whatever. And clearly, I was in the really in my animal liberation phase because they had like bears on on bicycles, and I was kind of like. I don't think that's very nice. I don't like that the bears are on bicycles. I think bears should be bears. I don't think they should be on bikes. And once again, looked over at Dan. Dan's like, can you just enjoy the fucking circus? <laughs> <laughs> he, Dad did not say that. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm reading into Dad's he said, he, he said it with his eyes. <laughs> He's probably like, I brought you to fucking Moscow. <laughs> I'm making... I'm making I'm making Dad a lot more foul mouthed as well. Dad was not Dad was not a sweary dude. Well, certainly not around me, at least. But <laughs> I just remember thinking, and and with with a you know a fair bit of hindsight, I'm probably looking back, going, I probably did ruin Bob and Margaret's trip to the Moscow Circus by being, oh, but what about the bears? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, it's like once you hit that age where you're able to decide for yourself, I don't think these animals should be in cages. The zoos aren't fun anymore. <laughs> oh, no. no. I mean, yeah, I think you can do a lot of sort of uh, mental gymnastics like, oh, but, you know, they're also they're looking after them. It's a conservation program as well. No, they're animals in cages. You're looking <laughs> at the animals in cages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but they're in the wild. They'll be, you know, they'll be in danger. They, they could get shot. They could get eaten. It's like, yeah, but they'd also be free. So... <laughs> Yep, way it is. <laughs> the other thing is too about the story is there are so many listeners out there, Australians who follow AFL, who just love hearing the Bobby Davis stories. <laughs> well, I've got yeah, I've got nothing but uh, good memories of my father. But um, that, so that, I, I think any sort of uh, any sort of rowdy spin I put on those stories was purely for comic effect. My favourite story of your dad's is when you brought home, uh, what's that horror movie that had the sea bomb in it and stuff? Oh, Black Christmas. Or something like that. You said you, you looked at your dad and your dad was like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be watching this, son. <laughs> <laughs> in all, it, I, I don't remember exactly how it went down, but dad was probably like, yeah, I'm out. I'm going to go watch, I'm going to watch the footy in the other room or something. You keep, you keep going. <laughs> If this is what you're into, uh, this is what you're into. But that so, happened more than once, and I'm sure it's happened with a lot with a 
you know, a lot of people, I'm sure that you've watched, you know, inappropriate stuff with your with your parents or whatever. Or, you know, watch what started watching something you thought, oh, this will be, if not fun for the whole family, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be super embarrassing. And then all of a sudden just like, oh, no, I, this is not something I should be watching with my parents in the same room. I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so she's let Snorky escape. And this is where the... What I liked here, although it didn't really go anywhere, was the crab listening in on their secret plan. The crab scuttles off. I sort of thought that could have led to something, but the, the crab just runs away. That's it. You never see the crab again. Well, that's the, I think, yeah, I think the, the crab probably recognized like, oh, shit. It's Shit's dolphin real. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dolphin king is back and, yeah, things are... yeah. As you say, yes, shit's about to get real. The Dolphin King is back. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Alcohol and night swimming. It's a winning combination. Uh Uh-oh, sharks, the assassins of the sea. Hey, you're not sharks, you're dolphins, the clowns of the sea. Ow! Ow! Hey, what's the gag? Hmm. Bottlenose bruises, blowhole burns, flipper prints. This looks like the work of rowdy teens. Lou, cancel the prom. Yar, it begins. The dolphins are upon us. And only this old sea dog knows how to stop it. Very brutal ending for Lenny, wasn't it? Very hard. <laughs> and he was having such a good time, you know, night swimming and drinking. Two yeah, great tastes that taste great together. It was also cool. So it's almost like Sea Captain was almost like Quint here. Just like, you know, he's the only one who knows how to stop them. That's the thing. I was thinking, you know, he was going to play a major part in the whole uh, in the whole story. Oh, by the way, I, I ended up getting that Jaws 4K. It looked marvelous. Oh. How fucking good is it when they're out in the boat like the last half of the film? It's so good. Oh, yeah. And every time you're watching in a new sort of higher definition thing, you see more and more stuff. Yeah. Like, it's like you seriously watching that on the big screen here at my place. It was like, it was like watching the film for the first time. It was unbelievable. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. We talked about the sea captain as well. And now he meets a, <laughs> he meets a, a uh, an ugly end as well. Like pretty much everyone in this, every uh, two legged person in this episode. I loved that the, that the Dolphin King did a sea captain impression. Oh, I'm the sea captain. Yeah. How good was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're brutal killers and they got sass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. They're really reveling in sort of taking back their power. Good on them. Yeah. The dolphins then leave the sea. They march along, singing your typical march songs. Da 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 da. Mm. I know the words. That's just that. That's that's the, what the song's called. Da 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 da. But uh, also, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the birds earlier as well. I mean, there's a lot. There's really great music in the episode as well. So, um, I mean, you, we talked about the monsters and the Simpsons mashup of the themes, but there's a very Hitchcockian sort of music, uh, in the particularly in the Night of the Dolphin episode that I really loved. I thought it was just yeah, just a. Just a nice bit of detail that they threw in. 100%. Yeah, season 12 off to a good start with this one, that's for sure. Uh, and then the dolphin gets caught in the net. They got nets! And it helps him escape and slaps him. <laughs> <laughs> you fool! <laughs> Homer is then ordering at Krusty Burger. And unfortunately, the pimple-faced teen, or the squeaky-voiced teen, I should say, has met a, a brutal ending. His head falls to Homer's lap. Anything to get out of work. <laughs> 
Then we get the news report, and it's revealed here that the killer dolphins are here to attack. And Lisa's like, what, killer dolphins? And then we see, I'm assuming it's the, the producer or the cameraman or something like that, the guy with the cue cards, yeah. to save me. And uh, Brockman here sacrifices himself essentially for the good of the nation, doesn't he? He does indeed. It's a very a very noble act by Ken Brockman. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he knows he's going to die. It's one of those situations where it's like, I'm, they're going to kill me anyway, whether I do the right thing or the wrong thing. I might as well go out fucking swinging. So he, um, I like to think that I would do likewise in that situation. I'm not sure if I would, but I'd like to think that I would yeah, you know, man, funny, isn't it? man up like at the very you, end. Yeah. Looking, looking from afar, you think, yeah, I'd like, I, I would do the right thing. But in that situation, I just don't know what I would do. No. <laughs> <laughs> they then call Grandpa and he's unfortunately already been eaten. But it doesn't matter because he's going to give that dolphin's liver a good punching. Say, say, say what you like about the human race. I mean... <laughs> We've done a lot of bad things in terms <laughs> to the dolphins, but you know we're, as you said, we're going down swinging. A hundred percent. Even as Homer says, we've made species extinct before. We'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> People, please. We're all frightened and horny. It's just comes out of nowhere, but it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we're all frightened and horny. <laughs> <laughs> This whole this is this whole act here, like this or this scene in the town hall. There's just so much smut that I love it. It's just great. It's just not oh god, not usual that you hear the Simpsons. Like the, the Homer says glory hole. What the hell? I know. <laughs> um, but before we get to that though, it is very clever. You know, hearing the squeaking of Willie on the window, and then he gets obviously impaled by the dolphin. They all burst mm. in. They ambush the joint, and he approaches the podium. He's approaching the podium. Surely it cannot speak. Snorky. Talk. Man. I'm sorry, let me start over. Eons ago, dolphins lived on the land. (gasps) What did he say? He said dolphins used to live on the land. What? Then your ancestors drove us into the sea, where we've suffered for millions of years. But you seem so happy in the ocean. All that playful leaping. We were trying to get out. It's cold, it's wet. Every morning I wake up phlegmy. Plus all that sewage we keep dumping. (gasps) That was you? It was her, all right. Take the one who wronged you. I, King Snorky, hereby banish all humans to the sea. (gasps) Ah. Turns out that the dolphin just has Harry Shearer's voice. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a it's a great choice having having Harry do it because I mean he's just got such a lovely uh lovely speaking voice as well. I mean he's a man of many voices, but when I he does his own Harry kind of say thing, anything. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's like Harry, James Earl Jones, and Morgan Freeman. Very good choices all around. We should get Harry on the show again, don't you reckon? I think we absolutely should. I think he'd be mm-hmm. down for it. Why wouldn't he? Of course not. He's been on the show before, so I can't see why he wouldn't. So here we get here. We we've had Harry on this show before. We can do it again. <laughs> well played. So they Lisa mentions, you know, that we put the sewage in the water. That was you? The Noma. Yes, it was her. Take the girl. <laughs> uh, they banish the humans to the sea. They all start to walk out, but Homer says, No, it's time we make a stand. We invented it. All these different things. Wait, stop. We can outsmart those dolphins. Don't forget, we invented computers, leg warmers, bendy straws, peeling a shrimp, the glory hole, and the pudding cup. I'm not going to let a few hoop-jumping tuna munchers push me around. Uh-oh. 
I still just can't believe that they got away with glory hole on television in The Simpsons. It's fantastic. <laughs> they, op- they open that door and they see all those dolphins there. How it's it, it was a great choice to just have no music. I know that's obviously parodying the birds, but no music there, just and just hearing oh, the yeah. occasional dolphin squeak, fantastic. Mm. It worked like it worked a treat in the birds, and it works even well here. I mean, it works just as well here. I mean, it's of course it's taken the Mickey, and of course it's a a, a comedy cartoon. There's still something a little eerie about it. Hundred percent. I, I can only imagine. I've got a few friends that live in Melbourne right now. They say Melbourne in silence is something they never thought they'd ever hear, and it's just it never fails to be spooky. Oh, like my my friend. He says he goes out in his balcony. He lives in Richmond. He goes. You just can't hear anything. He goes. It's just bizarre. Oh, that would yeah, that would do a number on you. I reckon that would just mess with your head. So Lisa tries to help the baby dolphin. Ends up biting her as a thanks. And as a result, a massive melee breaks out between humans and dolphins, and it's um it's on for young and old now, isn't it? It is, um, and I honestly thought that because uh, it's been a long time since I've seen this one, I thought, oh, does it um does it end with you know the humans discovering oh if we plug up their blowholes, that's kind of the uh, the key to our uh, to human victory, and uh, it turns out no. No, not at all. But I thought that's when that happened. I thought, oh, we're going to get like an Independence Day moment here, where it's like, tell them how to kill them. I th- yeah. Well, you think there would be sort of a not a. <laughs> you think it would be a happy ending for the human race, but uh, eh, well, it's not a terrible ending for the human race. We do we do seem to be adapting to life on the ocean at the very end. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's. Um... I, I, th- I think I think it's funnier the humans ending up in the water though. <laughs> <laughs> Then it was a good ending here with Krusty's body floating up and then getting pushed away to spell the word the end, the words the end in the human bodies. And then they get the Kangen Kodos moment at the end because every Trials of Horror needs a Kangen Kodos moment. So, yes, all in all, I thought this was a really, really good Trials of Horror. The final act being the best. Um, I think I think the final act was so good that it really bumped up the other two. The second one I enjoyed a lot more than I remembered. And the first one was just simple, yet, you know, had enough, enough gags in there to to make it a thumbs up. And I, I think, yeah, just as an overall collective, I think this is my, my favourite one since Trials of Horror 8. Yeah. I was have to, I have to say I was very, very impressed by it. I think, it, as I said, it built up to a very good climax with uh, with Night of the Dolphin. But uh, even the lesser of the three, Ghost Dad, in, in my opinion, um, was still not bad. Still had a few good gags in it. And, uh, yeah, Got in, got out, got the job done. Yeah, so, um, and of course, the episode culminated with a scream and the spooky organ music over the Gracie. Nice work, Simpsons team. Yes, very, very. I think the fact that it sort of also ends with the Munsters theme just sort of leaves you feeling good. You're like, oh, yeah, I like this. You know, it leaves you feeling happy, you know? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, look, I agree with it. I think it was one of the, it's one of the better uh, tree houses of horror. What do we learn, Palmer? So, what'd you learn, Mr. Davis? Um, if you come back as a ghost, uh, maybe just use your normal voice. It'll probably make the uh, the whole transition process of you know living to dead, then back to sort of undead, a whole lot easier. Not just for you, but also your loved ones. <laughs> I learned what a sugar wall was. Jamil, <laughs> Jamil is here. Ooh. Mailbag time. This week, I let Mr. Guy Davis pick the questions. So, what have we got? Who's, who's the first question from, Mr. Davis? What's the name? Oh, am I going to read them out as well? Oh, Would, you like to read them out? Would you like to read them I'm... out? Would you, you give me the name and I'll read out the question. I've already done the hard work of like picking four names and four yeah, questions. You, you, give, you, you want me, me to do name. reading as well? <laughs> Come on, man. Um, sorry, I don't have it near to me, but I do have... 
I have the name of the person who asked the who asked the question mm. and my answer. So yes. let you can do the bit in the middle if you don't mind. Uh, this question is from Talia Enriquez. Talia Enriquez. So we posted in the Facebook group, the Four Figure Discount exclusive group for patrons. So Talia Enriquez says, "What native Australian fauna would save Australians from an invasion of dolphins?" What is your answer, Mister Davis? I honestly believe wombats would save us. Wombats. I don't. You I, uh, uh, this is purely from uh, one incident in my teenage years, but I was up up in the bush near Mansfield and um, saw this uh, little little wombat just uh, crossing the path. I'm like, oh, look at that lovely Australian icon. Hello, little wombat. And you know, I didn't go to pat or anything like that because I'm not I'm not a complete idiot. Uh, but it saw me and started to charge at me, and <laughs> I was just like. Holy shit, this little guy's got some speed <laughs> and a little bit of bulk on him. So, you know, it, if he could take me out at the shins or the knees, I'd be down. And, um, yeah, da- well, not down for the count, but certainly like, okay, well, you know, he can't stand up anymore. Let's, next time I run into it will be his head. So, I don't know. I just, I gained a whole new respect for wombats that day, my friend. Um, I was envisioning wombats with shoulder pads and. Helmets, just <laughs> <laughs> and plus they look so adorable. So you know, and and they they would just surprise you with their uh, velocity and mass. I think emus. Oh, emus! Actually, fucking yeah, that- t- that, I have a fear of emus. Like, I legitimately am scared of emus. I just I, I've explained on the podcast before how we had a I think it was might have been kindergarten, like an excursion at the Werribee Zoo, and we got bogged, and the emus just ran up. And for some reason, the windows weren't working. Like the bus lost power, so the windows couldn't oh. go up. And the emus were like sticking their heads into the windows, and all the kids are in the middle of the aisle just screaming their heads off, whilst the emus are putting their heads into the window trying to get to us. It was terrifying. That does sound terrifying. Oh my god! <laughs> it was. God, no, no wonder you've got a little bit of a you know sort of a phobia of emus. I, I would. Oh no, I don't. Ew, I don't even want to speculate about it. No, but I feel like the emus could. Beat the shit out of those dolphins. <laughs> They'll join forces with the wombats in Australia. Will be, indeed be safe. That is true. What is the next question? Who's it from? Uh, our next question is from Brandon Twitchell. Brandon Twitchell, what's he got here? What animal or animals, if they became as smart as humans, do you think mankind would lose to in a world war? Have you thought about this at all, Dando? No, I'm don't, don't the say for the first time right now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, um, I, think, I, think if, I think if any creature became as smart as humans, they probably would be able to defeat us. <laughs> probably, yeah. I mean, um, I, look, not to get uh, not to make you all my unofficial shrinks or anything like that, but I had this dream last night, pretty vivid nightmare. I mean, not one that we sort of woke up going, ah, or anything like that, but I mean, woke up and going, that was pretty fucked up. Um <laughs> But it's sort yeah, of, I did. I did read that, and I was very intrigued. I was like, "What was that dream?" Well, a lot of it just. Had, uh, unfortunately, the the C virus that shall not speak its name sort of filtered into my dreams last night, yeah. and everyone was sort of, you know, running around with. Well, you know, if you didn't have a mask on, it was very bad news for you, and all that kind of business. Well, I, th- I think the fact that we have to wear masks now is really playing on the minds. I mean, it's affected my work. I, I I'm really struggling to work now at a computer with a mask on all day. It's it's hard. I think any sort of disruption from the yeah the way you tend to you know do things generally is yeah going to sort of play havoc with the way you operate one hundred percent yeah but I mean that wasn't even the most uh, the most vivid part of the dream I don't know why this uh, <laughs> what this actually means in the grander scheme of things 
but it all ended up with like some really vicious big apes uh, swinging into where I was, like from like vines or cables or something, and just generally messing shit up. I mean, I've got a fear. Um, you talked about emus. I've got a fear of monkeys going rogue and just going, you know. <laughs> and it could happen one day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think I've said on this podcast, you know, you hear about, um, you hear stories about people like, oh, I had this little chimpanzee and I raised it from a, you know, from a baby chimpanzee until one day it became fully grown. And then all of a sudden for one day, no reason or whatever, it just snapped and, you know, ripped a face off or, um, you know, bit off body parts. I mean, can I get a bit graphic here on this on this podcast? Why not? We're in the mailbag segment. Tr- Everyone's shit okay. up by now. <laughs> trigger trigger warning. Maybe you know, jump ahead thirty seconds or whatever. But I yeah, remember reading some article about you know people who had uh, mass, you know primates as pets, um, and yeah, one day this uh, this chimp just 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 snapped, and it honest to god ripped its owner's penis off. I think you actually may have mentioned this before. I think you may because have yes, it, it it it's never leaving my brain. It's so <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> like the, I I don't even want to continue discussing it because the idea of that is distressing. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. So oh, we we yeah we as 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 in this episode we didn't want to talk about the testicle thing. Let's not talk about the uh, the ape ripping off dick thing. <laughs> the, the, the only question is how did it get to the penis in the first place? Well, I'm. We, they're fairly strong animals. Probably just rip that gentleman's strides right off his body. Yeah, that's true, and they're close yeah. enough. And they're close enough uh, to you know humans in DNA that they probably know. Eh, you yeah, need this thing. Yeah, let. let you, I think you're fairly attached to that piece of junk. Let's rip it off. <laughs> oh man, oh poor bugger. So uh, yeah, um, so the my my answer is uh, probably uh, you know apes, monkeys, primates, whatever. Also. You know, bears or big cats, if they get smart, we're fucked. I think anything with the abilities of, of flight, because they can just, we could, if, we, if we can't get up there to catch them, they can just keep flying down and just swooping us. Or if they're as smart as humans, they can get weapons in the air and just shoot us from the air. What are we going to do? Yeah. Crows and magpies are apparently incredibly smart. Um, crow, I was looking at a magpie and a crow the other day at work. That was outside the window, and I was like, you are like the size of a rooster. I'm like, you are the T-Rex. Of Australian native birds, like you are. There just, are some, there are some certainly some big ass ones, yeah. Like you, you see, you see, you know, there'll be little birds out there, sparrows and whatnot, just pecking at the ground and doves, and a crow comes down and they just scatter. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, the, the big the big bosses in town, you know. I'll, I'll never forget the day that I was walking out of work and there was this little sparrow under my car, and I was about, I was literally about to go down and just like help him get out so I can drive off. I'm like, we're not going to drive over this sparrow. And this fucking crow just came down and grabbed the sparrow and just flew off with it and just killed it. Ooh. I was like, I've never looked at crows the same way after that. <laughs> never. <laughs> that's, that's wholly understandable, Dan. No, I would not look at it in the same way either. Uh, um, so next question comes from Mr. Davis. Oh, our next question that comes from Joel. Joel, I hope I'm pronouncing your surname correctly. Yelland? Your land. Your land. Yeah. Your if, you land. Could see, if you could see any Treehouse of Horror segment expanded as a standalone episode or even a film, what would it be? Mm. Are any leaping to mind immediately, Dando? Or should I answer and give you time to think about it while you don't um, listen to me? Um, I I think like I would have really enjoyed uh, Homer being in the real world. The 3D oh, episode. Yeah. Nobody goes Homer goes 3D and he ends mm, up in yeah. the real world. I think 
more of that would have been cool, seeing him interact with real people. Would have been, certainly. Would have been interesting visually and interesting uh, story-wise. Mm, yeah. yeah, definitely. Also, nightmare, mine, n- n- nightmare Cafeteria from Treehouse of Horror 5 where the teachers cook to school kids. I think that was a really fun premise that could have definitely been expanded on. Oh, yeah. I like the sound of that as well. Uh, for mine, it's uh, it's uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores from Treehouse of Horror 6. Okay, yeah. A lot of people see that one as sort of like a... And I, I don't personally, but a lot of people say that was sort of like the, the weaker one of that trilogy. And that that's always been one... Probably my favourite Treehouse of Horror of all time because that was the... The very first one, the very first episode I was allowed to watch once my mum's Simpsons band lifted. That was the okay. new episode. That was the new episode at the time. So I've always got that nostalgia love for it. But it's just a great episode. It's got that one, and it's got the the Freddy Krueger, um, Willie, you know, Nightmare yeah. on Green Terrace, and the and the Home of 3D. But what do you like about Attack of the Fifty Foot Ice Horse? I just think it'd be a, a, an interesting story because I mean, we sort of. I don't not rely on advertising so much, but it's so sort of omnipresent. It's everywhere and, you know, infiltrating our lives in different ways all the time. And, you know, the um, attack of the 50-foot eyesores, the eyesores are eventually sort of vanquished by not paying attention to them. I'm wondering how either the Simpsons, the modern-day Simpsons, or, you know, just us, people in general, could sort of get away with... Why are we going to ignore this advertising? It's everywhere. And, you know, I can't even tell what's advertising half the time. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, I just think it's a pretty neat idea. I, like yeah. like Marge, I just think it's neat. All righty, let's go have to wrap up the mailbag, Mr. Davis, because I've just seen I've got three minutes left on the card and I feel like we're probably going to go over it if we continue answering questions. So thank you so much to everyone who has written into this week's mailbag. And thank you to everyone who has listened to our review of Treehouse of Horror 11. It was, in my opinion, the best Treehouse of Horror in a few years. I really, really loved it. And I'm sure you guys loved it as well. Love to hear what your thoughts are on the episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod, at Four Finger Discount on Instagram, like us on Facebook, assuming you already are. And if you want access to this show a week early, as well as a bunch of other exclusive podcasts, including Talking Seinfeld, Tales of Futurama, Take Like a Mandalorian, and so much more, it's going to be a $2 plus page at patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount, where you also get access to our exclusive Four Finger Discount Facebook community, which is just filled with like-minded Simpsons fans. They're all lovely people. I'm sure you have a great time in there, as well as entry into our monthly prize draw, which is going to be drawn next week, Mr. Davis. But for now, I am Dando. Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Only these. Mm, sugar walls. Sugar walls. <laughs>